0: 13, what a great reminder our singing has been this morning of just how great our God is. There's so many things that will affect our lives situationally throughout the week, even so trivial as whether or not our team won on Saturday, if you're a college football person like so many of us are, sometimes it can affect our worship, but man, that just tells us we've got a wrong perspective on life because whether or not life is in the tank or if you're on the mountaintop long as God has set it on, seated on his throne, life is good for you because you've got a king, you've got an advocate, you've got a sustainer there. Luke 13 is where we're at this morning. As you're finding your place, I want you to listen to some words of Moses given to us in the 10 commandments from Exodus chapter 20. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. My story is probably similar to many of your stories grew up in a fairly fundamental Baptist family. My dad was raised in Southwest Michigan in an independent Baptist church. My mom was raised in a pentecostal type of home in Arkansas. And so as I was growing up in Northwest Arkansas, under that sort of understanding, under that family umbrella, um, I was taught that it's important To do no work on the Sabbath. In fact, as I think back on my hometown there in Northwest Arkansas, as a kid in the 80s, I can remember most of the businesses and many of the restaurants being closed on Sunday because that was the quote unquote Sabbath. Many of your experiences were probably like that. So while we were fundamentally Baptist and Christian in nature, we didn't always attend church on Sundays. But we rarely did work around the house on Sunday, just out of simple reverence for the day. you probably like that. Well, for me, later on, as a young adult, definitely as a student of the Bible, I began to wonder about this practice. I, I began to wonder whether or not it was a biblical practice. You see, I realized that a whole lot of Christians that I knew, including my own family, did not take the fourth commandment literally. When it said to do no work, your oxen, your donkey, and all of the things that you have on your farm and everything else that you do throughout the week, you're not to do those. I didn't see that practice in its entirety amongst those people that I knew who called themselves Christians. Instead, what I saw was people mowing their lawns. I saw them working the cattle. I saw them working on the car, going shopping, hanging out at the lake, doing normal stuff that you do Monday through Saturday. I also noticed... That the Sabbath commanded in the Old Testament was to be observed on the seventh day of the week, and yet we were, in practice, observing it on the first day of the week. You see, the seventh day, from a biblical standpoint, is Saturday. It's even the same on our calendars. But the first day of the week is Sunday. Have you ever thought about those discrepancies? Have you ever considered why we do what we do? Why some of us would consider Sunday to be the Sabbath? Why do the things that we do and how we practice them differ so much from what we read in the Old Testament? Well, we ought to, and and we strive to be this here at this church, but we ought to have a strong commitment to the Word of God. And so what God says in this Word, what we call the Bible, these 66 books, we need to fully obey them and understand and follow what God has instructed us to do and what He's instructed us to believe. And so are we being disobedient by worshiping on Sunday and working either on Saturday or Sunday? That's a question I want us to wrestle with this morning. I do believe that there is some confusion regarding the Sabbath in the evangelical church, and it's largely due to the fact that we've not done a great job teaching to the Sabbath, teaching to this day that we see so Prominently in the Old Testament and and, and juxtaposing and trying to help bring understanding to what we see in the New Testament that is referred to as the Lord's Day. And so we have not done a good job taking these two days and making sense of them. Are they the same day? Are they two different days? What are we to do with them? How do we observe them? What does that look like in the New Testament era of the church? Our next stop here in Luke's Gospel in the 13th chapter, just picking up in the next verse, from what we, where we stopped last Sunday, what we find here is Jesus again teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And right here in this synagogue, the story that we're looking at, in this synagogue where Jesus is teaching, where Jesus has gathered with other Jewish people to worship the Lord, there's a woman who's been crippled for 18 years by demonic oppression. And Jesus notices her, and Jesus calls her to himself, and Jesus heals her from this affliction. And watching all of this is the director, the the leader of this synagogue, and he is irate over the fact that the woman would allow herself to be healed on the Sabbath, and Jesus would be so audacious to heal her on the Sabbath. And so from this passage this morning, I want us to think deeply and critically about the Sabbath and the rest God's people were to observe. Look with me, beginning in verse 10 of this gospel. Luke says, now he, that's Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had, been, who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you're freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Do you catch the tone that was probably in his voice? Verse 15 says, Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Reading through this passage, you see Sabbath coming through very prominently. We're going to talk about the Sabbath this morning. Lord willing, next Sunday, we will come back to these set of verses, and we will include in them verses 18 through 21, and we're going to talk about the miracle that Jesus does in this lady's life. But I want to use the passage this morning to talk about the Sabbath, to talk about this day That we see so prominently in the Old Testament, this day that Jews uh, observe every single week, the Sabbath. This term comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. It simply means to cease or to desist. The primary meaning of Shabbat is that of a cessation from all work. That's what we see in the law. The Sabbath was a command given to Israel as part of the Ten Commandments. We read of that in Exodus 20 earlier, and yet it was more than that. You see, the Sabbath was actually part of the structure of creation because God himself, after he created all that there is, he ceased from his work, he desisted from work, and he rested. He gave this day to humanity, especially to his covenant people. So the people of God in the old covenant was the nation of Israel. It was the people who descended from the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The people of God in the new covenant are those who by faith descend from Jesus Christ. As we read through the Bible, what we discover is that some of the old covenant teachings found in the Old Testament are absorbed and altered by the new covenant. For example, today Christians no longer follow Laws concerning circumcision, sacrifices, and food. In fact, there was great debate within the early church early on about whether or not Gentiles who come to saving faith in Jesus Christ should observe all of the Levitical law that Jews were observing. And there was great debate about it among Paul and Barnabas in the churches that they were planting and all of the things that the Jews were hearing, these Jewish Christians. And so the debate led to a council. We call it the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15, where the church in Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas down to Jerusalem to the apostles. And there they debated what was required of Christians, Gentile Christians, who were coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And they determined that none of these things were required. Instead, new believers As new believers, we understand today that these elements simply foreshadowed the greater that was to come in Jesus Christ. So while many of the laws that we find in Leviticus and Deuteronomy are... Important and binding on the Jewish people for us today that we set here in the New Covenant era on the other side of the cross, those who have found saving faith in Jesus Christ. What we understand from that is that in Jesus Christ, these laws have been eclipsed by him and yet the Ten Commandments were not. You see, J- Jesus never negated the command to have no other gods before the God that we find in the Bible. Likewise, he never revoked a prohibition against idols, profaning God's name, honoring parents, murder, adultery, theft, bearing false witness, or even coveting. Those laws found within the Ten Commandments are still in place today. And yet, as we read through the gospel, even our text this morning, what we see when it comes to the Sabbath day and keeping it holy is that Jesus oftentimes got himself in trouble. Oftentimes, he's there in the synagogue and he's healing people. He's performing miracles in the lives of people. And that did not set well with the Jewish approach to the Sabbath day. In fact, on one occasion, as Jesus and his disciples walked through a grain field, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain and eat that grain while they walked through the field. And apparently, Jesus had an entourage of Naysayers that followed him around and watched him to try to trip him up in something that they were doing. And so they saw this event taking place as his disciples were uh, reaping the harvest in a sense and eating that grain as they walked. And they came to Jesus and confronted Jesus over the fact that they were working on the Sabbath. Jesus here responded by pointing out that David also had violated one of the laws when he ate of the bread that was reserved only for the priests. So basically he's saying this is not a new thing when sometimes the laws are not followed to the letter of the law or how you may think they should be. And then he turned directly to the situation at hand of which they confronted him and said in Mark chapter 2, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the sabbath. So the son of man is lord even of the sabbath. What is Jesus doing here in this statement? He's clearly claiming the right to redefine the status of the sabbath, which is a right that belongs only to God himself. And so if he is lord of the sabbath, he can redefine and alter what the sabbath and how it's supposed to be practiced takes place. Today I want to speak to understanding the Sabbath. And as we consider these verses here in Luke chapter 13, and and as we also will look at the Bible's larger perspective and larger teaching on the subject, what we're going to discover is that the Sabbath pointed to something greater. We're going to see that it's an earthly symbol of heavenly rest that's found in Jesus Christ. As we seek to understand the Sabbath and try to Perhaps I I don't know where all of you would stand on your understanding of the Sabbath, but I got to believe that many of you were or are in the same boat that I grew up in, kind of not really fully understanding what it means now in the new covenant versus what it meant in the old covenant. So as we seek to understand, we're going to ask three questions. First of all, we're going to ask, what is the Sabbath? Like, what is this day? What is it about? How was it... um, Observe. Then we're going to ask, why is the Sabbath important? And then we're going to finish with the third question of how should we observe the Sabbath today as followers of Jesus Christ? And so let's begin by asking the question, what is the Sabbath? Here's the way I want to answer that question. Number one, the Sabbath was celebrated weekly on the seventh day in recognition and worship of God as both creator and redeemer. You see, one of the earliest things that we find in the Bible is that God set aside and blessed the seventh day, making it a holy day. Genesis chapter 2, you surely are familiar with this passage. There it says, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So clearly we see there, as creation is, has come to an end, God ceases from his work and sets in place a day on which people are to observe and rest from their labors. Moses went on to clarify later on for the Jews the weekly observance of this special day in the Ten Commandments, those verses we read from Exodus 20 a little bit earlier. So, what we discover from these two passages and some others that are like it is that the Sabbath was observed weekly. And it was observed on the seventh day, the Saturday of each week, because God, when He created the earth in those six days, ceased from His work on the seventh day, on Saturday, and made that day holy. And so that was a day of worship and rest in God as Creator. Moses further explained this weekly holy day for Israel just before his death. You know, the book of Deuteronomy means second law. And so as Moses was preparing to die, knowing he would never enter the promised land, he brings the people of Israel before him. And many people believe, many scholars believe that the book of Deuteronomy, it was his last sermon. So if you think I preach long, just imagine setting through Moses and all of the chapters of Deuteronomy. But this is what he says about The Sabbath day in Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. He says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day holy. Moses here reiterated that God was creator. But did you notice what he added to that? Not just that God was creator and is the creator of all that there is. He pointed out to the fact that God is also their redeemer. So when they observed the Sabbath day, when they took that pause on Saturday each and every week, they were observing and worshiping and honoring God as their creator, but also as the one who brought them out of slavery. The one who was bringing them into a land of rest. Remember the context here. Moses is about to pass off the scene. He has been leading Israel for 40 years through the wilderness. And now, as he dies and goes away, Joshua, the successor, will now lead the people of God into the land of promise, which is a land of rest. And so, in observing the Sabbath, week after week after week, they recognize and they celebrate God as Redeemer, along with being Creator. So, The Sabbath was celebrated each and every week on the seventh day, recognizing God as creator and redeemer. So now that we better understand what the Sabbath is, let's move to that second question. Why is it important? Well, why is this day, why is this holy day so important? Today we sit on the new covenant side of the cross, while Moses and the prophets, those Books that we just read from set on the old covenant side. So it can be difficult for us to understand how the Sabbath should fit into our worship, fit into our practice today. So here's what I want to give you in a, by way of a second point The Sabbath foreshadows redemptive rest in Jesus Christ as Redeemer. It foreshadows redemptive rest in Jesus Christ as Redeemer the Gospels, we see that the habit and the practice of Jesus was to observe the Sabbath. In fact, he was in the Sabbath, I believe, every single Saturday. He was there worshiping with the people of God. He was there teaching. He unveiled his ministry in the synagogue on the Saturday. Right? On the Sabbath. He stood up there, read from the prophet Isaiah, and said, Today this has been fulfilled in your midst. He was always in the synagogue worshiping on the Sabbath. Here in Luke chapter 13, Jesus is again doing just that. We've seen him do this many times throughout these previous 12 chapters. So while Jesus did observe the Sabbath, his ongoing failure to comply with the minute uh, details and restrictions and the conflict that ensued lead us to at least consider the broader message of the Sabbath day. I mean, think about that. It would be understandable for us to get in kind of a Tiff with the synagogue ruler, but Jesus, like, he never sins. So, what is that all about? Like, you may come in here and you bring coffee, we don't care about that anymore. But back in the day, if you brought coffee and set the worship center, man, that was taboo. That was like you brought something unclean into the holy of holies, that was a warped viewpoint of what we're doing here. But so. With that, we, we can understand why we might get cross with the synagogue ruler. But why in the world would Jesus get crossed with the ruler in city after city after city? So we got to consider there has to be a broader message to this day. We continue to read through the New Testament. What we discover is that the early church actually shifted their worship away from the Sabbath, Saturday, to what's called the Lord's Day, Sunday. They moved their day of worship from this holy day in, in the Christian faith, it became a new holy day. Now, here's a question for, the, for us. Was this move just simply an arbitrary way for the Christian church to distance themselves from the Jewish faith, Jewish tradition? It's a fair question. Was it just we don't want to be seen as Jews? We don't want to be observed like Pilate thought uh, of the Christian and other Roman leaders thought as the Christian church is is in its infancy and forming. They just saw them as another sect of Judaism. So were they just trying to differentiate themselves from Jews? No, not at all. There was strategic purpose in in their move away from the Sabbath. You see, they purposely shifted because of their theological conviction that Jesus as creator and Jesus as redeemer made their salvation possible through his death, burial, and resurrection. Pastor, what in the world does that have to do with the Sabbath? Think about what happened in Jesus' passion. Leading up to that, he comes into Jerusalem. He goes through the... Last meal with his disciples, he's arrested, he's put on trial, he goes to the cross Friday. Luke 23 tells us that as he's on the cross, he actually passed away sometime around 3 p.m. Right? The Sabbath starts at 6 p.m. on Friday for the Jewish people. And so Jesus dies on Friday just on the heels or just uh, right there before the Sabbath begins. Everybody's in a hustle to get Jesus in the tomb so that they're not left unclean and not able to observe the Sabbath. But Jesus dies on Friday. He lays in the tomb on Saturday, which is the Sabbath when the Jewish people are worshiping, when they're gathering together in the synagogue, when they're doing all of those things together. But on Sunday... What happens? Jesus rises from the grave. Early in the morning, at dawn, Jesus rises from the grave. You see now why the early believers would have moved their day of worship off of Saturday to Sunday? Because Jesus was and is creator. And Jesus, through his death, his burial, now his resurrection is Firmly, their Redeemer. So their worship no longer is on Saturday. The worship for us as believers and followers of Jesus is on Sunday. So the Sabbath is not so much about a day, but it's about a person and it's about an act. It's about finding rest in Jesus. It wasn't about finding rest or experiencing physical rest on a day of the week because you've worked hard all week long. I'm going to say a little bit more about that in a moment. But it's not just about that. It can't be. It's about finding rest in Jesus as Redeemer. The Sabbath foreshadows that for us. In the Old Testament, early Christians recognized this. They recognized that many other laws were nothing more than shadows of something far greater, which now had been revealed in Jesus Christ. And so, church, as we seek to understand the Sabbath, may we recognize that the Sabbath foreshadowed redemptive rest in Jesus Christ as Redeemer. And so, as a new covenant Christian, we dare not, listen to this, we dare not simply shift the Sabbath from sun, Saturday to Sunday. That's not what it's about. And who are we to set the date? If God tells us in Genesis 2 that six days you shall work and on the seventh you shall rest, who are we as His finite creation? To say, God, I know better than you, so I'm going to work Monday through Friday, hang out on Saturday, and let my day of worship be and rest be Sunday. That's not our decision to make, if it's all about the day. But if it's about something that's pointing to a greater experience and a greater fulfillment, then it can and it must be shifted from Saturday to Sunday. Let's ask a third question. In light of that, how should we observe the Sabbath? Here's the answer. The Sabbath is observed by resting in Jesus Christ as Redeemer. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 18. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, we just declared that the Sabbath has been replaced by Jesus himself, right? We we just declared that, or I declared that, and some of you nodded your heads in affirmation, right? So that's been declared, that's been made clear that Jesus has replaced the Sabbath, and yet Jesus says here in the verse that I just read to you that not one word of God will be taken away. It will pass away or fall void until it is accomplished. So here's the question. If that's true, if both are true, where'd the Sabbath go? Where did the Sabbath go? We've already said, but let me make it a little bit clearer. The Sabbath went to the cross and the Sabbath was resurrected on the third day because the Sabbath is Jesus Christ and the Sabbath is the salvation that he achieved for sinners. So this is the very point as we move to the book of Hebrews and we look at Hebrews chapter 4. This is the very point that the author is making. He's arguing here that Jesus is greater. He's greater than the law. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than the priests. He's arguing all throughout the book of Hebrews that Jesus is the great high priest. He is the great sacrifice. He is the sufficient one. And so in Hebrews 4, that point comes clear when it comes to the Sabbath. He's arguing that it was nothing more than a shadow and the fullness is found in Jesus Christ. And so all the matters of the law were shadows of what would come to be true and full in Jesus Christ. So listen to what he says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 8. I think it will be on the screen for you. For if Joshua had given them rest, let's back up here. What what does that mean? Who's this Joshua guy? He's the successor of Moses. I said earlier that the promised land was a land of rest. They were being brought out of bondage, out of slavery, into God's kingdom, God's family, a place of rest, a place of milk and honey, all the sustenance that the people of God would ever need was right there provided as long as they followed God. But he says here in verse eight, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. Well, what does that mean? That means that was not their true rest. It was a temporary rest. It was a shadow of something greater that was to come. Verse 9, so then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. Let us, verse 11, therefore strive to enter that rest. Today on this side of the cross, we rightly observe the Sabbath. By resting in Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. This means if you have turned from your sin and you faith into Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you are resting in Jesus Christ. You've ceased from your striving. You've ceased from your work. You've ceased from all of those things that you've tried to earn your way or make your way into God's kingdom. Or building your own kingdom. And instead, you've rested in Him. you found Him not just to be Creator, but to be Redeemer. Now, if you've not yet turned from your sin and to Jesus as Lord and Savior, what is the invitation? Strive to enter that rest. He calls you today to do just that. He goes on to say in verse 16, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So this morning, as we talk about this subject of the Sabbath and we understand it to be rest and rest in God, rest in God the Son, Jesus Christ. Here's a question for you. Have you found rest in Jesus Christ? Have you found your rest in Him as creator and redeemer? Are you in relationship with Him? You see, the Sabbath is so much more than just ritualistic rote ritualistic practice. It's not about that at all, but the Jewish people found it to be nothing more than religious practice. That's why this religious ruler, this Pharisee, if you will, who's in the synagogue that day, he was irate because he saw something was, that was outside of what was the norm. Because for him, the Sabbath was nothing more than a religious practice, a hoop to jump through. And they were Seen as being faithful to God and acceptable to God by whether or not they practice the Sabbath faithfully. You know, I love Israel. Some of us were there last year. I long to go back. I would love to put together a trip for next year. If you're interested in that, let me know and we'll get that ball rolling. I would love to take. Uh, people there on a regular basis from our church and our community. Israel is an incredible place. You go there, and the word of God, because you're putting feet on the places that you've only read about, all of that comes alive. One of the things that troubled me with that is that while you're in Israel and you're there on Shabbat, you're there during the Saturday, they do some strange things because you can't work. And yet they come up with various uh, tweaks. Michelle, you probably remember this. Various tweaks that we can get by and not break the command or break the laws of these things. And and so, for instance, on that Saturday morning, we were in Jerusalem and, and we came down to breakfast and we knew things would be different. But we had like three or four elevators on Friday that we could use. But when Shabbat began to take place Friday evening into Saturday, now there's only one elevator. And I couldn't tell a difference except that it said Shabbat elevator. What's the difference there? So I'm not trying to be critical, but think about this. It's not about the religious ceremony. Sabbath leads us to rest, and that rest is not in religion. The rest is in a relationship with God as our Redeemer. Have you found rest for your soul in Jesus Christ? If not, there's an open invitation right here in the text for you. Will you come? With that new covenant understanding of the Sabbath... I want to give you just a couple practical implications for Christian worship today. Here's the first one. Christian worship on Sunday, again, is not a simple shift of the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. Please don't refer to this day as the Sabbath. I'm trying to correct your theology this morning. Just like I would love to correct some of your theology when it comes to funerals. Your loved ones who die do not become angels. That's a sermon for another day. But don't bring them down to that level. You're a higher creation than them. You've experienced salvation they can only vaguely imagine. And yet sometimes we will devalue humanity and say, God just needed another angel. No, he doesn't need another angel, nor are you an angel. You're human. And if you know Jesus Christ found rest in him, you've been redeemed, right? So when it comes to the Sabbath... This is not the Sabbath. The Sabbath is, from a Jewish standpoint, Saturday. But if you're in Jesus Christ, you get to live in Sabbath rest every single day. So, second thing I want you to see. Christian worship prioritizes gathering weekly on the Lord's Day for the preaching of the word, fellowship of the body, and observance of the ordinances. Now, we don't do this to be good Christians. We don't do this to to, to make sure that our works are better than our... Our good works are better than our bad works. We don't do any of those things. We gather on the Lord's day because Sunday is when the day of the Redeemer was resurrected so that we could be forgiven of sin and cleansed of sin and given new life. Death has been crushed because of that. So we gather for that. We also gather as the early church did because Acts 2 tells us that the church gathered and sat under the apostles' teaching. They broke bread together. They observed the Lord's supper together. They baptized them. They fellowship then. That's what we do on Sunday. We gather in our rest on Sunday as those who've been redeemed. Thirdly, Christian worship is not focused on resting from work out of reverence, but focused on resting in Jesus as Redeemer. So today, this is not a day of rest in the sense of physical labor. This is a day as we worship the Lord where we celebrate and we enjoy and we call unbelievers to find the rest that we enjoy every single day, right? That's why we're gathering on worship or for worship on Sundays. So we're understanding that it's a focus on resting in Jesus. Now this afternoon, if you go home or or you go out to eat first, And then you go home and you decide to do something around the house. Maybe you tried to clean up the debris in your yard from the storms yesterday, whatever. There might be some Christians here in the community or elsewhere that would look at your activity and say, you're breaking the Sabbath, right? That's kind of the culture that I grew up in as a kid. That if you did physical labor on Sunday, that was breaking the Sabbath. But based on what I've shown you today, I don't believe that's a true and accurate statement. They simply have failed to see the Sabbath for what it is, a shadow of what was to come. And they failed to see Jesus as its fulfillment. Now, with that said, I did mention earlier that I do believe there's a principle that we can gain or see in this call to rest on the Sabbath day. Meaning, God says in Genesis 2, in six days he created, and on the seventh day he ceased from his labor. He did not work. So that's a pattern that we ought to have in our life. Not from a a worship standpoint or a, a sanctification standpoint, but our physical bodies are not infinite, right? We run out of juice. We run out of strength. We run out of power. We need rest. You need, a good, you need to get a good night's rest every single day. I'm not going to tell you what that number needs to be because we're all different. If I sleep past six and a half hours, I wake up miserable, lower back's hurting. I feel like an 80-year-old, no offense on the 80-year-old people, but I feel like an older person. I knew I couldn't get through a whole sermon without stepping in something, right? I just can't go past six and a half hours. Maybe you're an eight-hour person. Whatever it is for you, get rest. We all need a day to to, to recharge, refuel, and so build that into your routine. Build that into your schedule. We need that weekly. I believe it's important that we vacate periodically, at least annually, that we retreat, we get away, we go on vacation with family and friends, and we just kind of use that time to recharge and refuel and, and just have downtime so that we can come back and be better and more equipped and more efficient in everything that we do. As a church, you're gracious enough to give our pastoral staff a sabbatical, and I've delayed mine, but I'll be on sabbatical next July for 30 days or four weeks. You're gracious enough to give that to us, and during that that month, it will be very hard but I will set aside duties and responsibilities for the most part in this church and our elders and our staff will, will leave that thing and I will spend those 30 days enjoying time with my family, time with friends, and allowing the Lord to speak into my life fresh and anew. And Lord willing, I will come back in August of 2024 much better than when I went away. We need those times of rest physically. But the Sabbath is about spiritual rest found in Jesus Christ as Lord and Redeemer. I want you to stand to your feet. This morning we have been talking about this concept that we find rest in Jesus. And Hebrews 4.11 gives us a beautiful invitation to that rest. This morning there's probably some people in this room. You might be religious. you, You might be able to quote the Bible better than a lot of us. But today, you've, you realize you've never actually stepped in to rest in Jesus, found him to be the redeemer, the forgiver of your sin, and that's the greatest decision you need to make in your life. This morning, Hebrews 4.11 says this, strive to enter that rest. Oh, well, it's not about your good works, but it's about you leaning in and saying, Jesus, I need that rest. If that's you this morning. I want to invite you, when we open up this response time in just a little bit, to just vacate your seat, come down here and say, Pastor, I need to find rest in Jesus Christ. That's all you got to do. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pass you off to one of our elders, one of our staff. And they're going to share the gospel with you this morning to help you understand what it means to have rest in Jesus Christ. Some of you are religious people. And uh, God's just been working in your life. Maybe you've got sin in your life. Maybe you're walking a guilty distance. I don't know what it is. But as a believer who's found rest in Jesus Christ today, you're not very restful. Because sin will never never allow us to be at peace. And this morning, the greatest need for you as a Christian is to say, Lord, here's my sin. I confess it. I turn from it. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Heal me. This morning, I want to encourage you to do that business with the Lord today. If you need to come, you need to make these steps and alter to the Lord. That's for you to do today. Amen? Amen? Maybe you need to join our church. You say, Pastor, I want to get this process, this ball rolling. You come forward this morning, and we'll begin that process as well. I know we have some folks that, that uh, made that declaration last week. We'll be voting on them in a while, and uh, there's a couple others that need to, to, uh, to make that public um, decision as well. We always want our folks to, to come face-to-face with the rest of us so we know who we're voting in. And so God is just continuing to do great things in our church, drawing people to Christ, drawing people into our membership, and for him um, to, be, to God be the glory for that. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. And let's do business with the Lord. Father, this morning we are so grateful that as Christians today, as those who uh, believe your word, trust in Jesus Christ, we thank you that our faith, our salvation, our relationship with God is not contingent, it's not hitched to a religious practice. But instead, it is tied and tethered firmly to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That God the Son came to this world, lived a perfect life, died a perfect sacrifice for us who are everything but that. The Bible tells us that Him, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we thank you for that. This morning, as we move into this time of response, I pray for those who need rest in Jesus. May they find that today, whether that's coming to Jesus as Lord and Savior or as a follower of Jesus, walking at a guilty distance, coming home. Help us, Father, to be open and obedient to the Spirit's call to our hearts this morning. This time's yours, our lives are yours, and we give it to you in Jesus' name, amen. We trust that you and your family have been encouraged and blessed today. If you have just made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you would like to pray with someone, or even if you wanna know more about our church, please contact our church office or send us an email. We are looking forward to seeing you next week here in person or online. See you then.